0: If you will, grab your Bible, Pastor Janae, and go with me to Acts chapter 20. And we're going to read verse 1 through, what is it?
1: 6? Yeah,
0: 1 through 6. Verse 1 through 6.
1: Okay. Okay. NIV.
0: NIV. 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 Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, just read. And read.
1: When the uproar had (laughs) ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye, and set off for Macedonia. He travelled throughout the area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece where he stayed three months because the Jews had because the Jews made a plot against him just as he was about to sail for Syria. He decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Silpater.
0: He was accompanied of, by
1: Sopater, mm-hmm. son of yep, Pyrrhus, mm-hmm. from Beria. Uh-huh. Good job. Aris Darkus. Uh-huh. Good job. And
0: Secundus. Good job. <laughs> That's it. From
1: Thessalonica. Uh huh. Gaius from Derby. Uh huh. Timothy also. And. Tychicus. <laughs> and
0: Tychicus. <Trofimus>. Tychicus <laughs> and. Tychicus and. Trophimus. Uh huh. Them
1: too. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. But we sailed from Philippi after the feast of unleavened bread, and five
0: days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Oh my gosh. Yeah, good job. Everybody get for Pastor Day Good job with that. Okay, so I want to talk to you today about the seven sons and daughters of Acts 20. And I'm going to use the word sons, and but hopefully we all understand that it's really spiritual kids in any aspect. We're not just talking about the male gender or the female gender. So I want to make sure that we're all aware of that, that when I say spiritual sons, I'm also including spiritual daughters and that just without saying it, spiritual children, sons and daughters. So Paul, while he was on this earth in the New Testament, he is, he has you know, the most pull. We, we see that through scripture. There's a hundred people that we know for sure that were connected to Paul's ministry that he actually verbally names throughout all of his epistles and throughout the book of Acts that were connected to him. And um, some he called children, some he called companions, some he called sons, some he called uh, beloved. And um, he was an amazing spiritual father. And in Acts 20, I I got to read this the other day and I thought, man, these names are goofy. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, look their names up. And these are companions and they are sons of Paul that traveled with him. And uh, so I, I was amazed when I began to look them up at the different characteristics and traits that these sons and daughters displayed. Some of them I had to dig into other verses in scripture to find out where and what, they, uh, uh, what the significance was with uh, the relationship of Paul. So the first one is Sopater. So uh, that's the first son, and he is the son of salvation and defense. Um, his name actually means savior and defender of his father, and he, he was a Berean. And in Acts chapter 17, it, it lists the characteristics and the traits of the Bereans, the the, the believers that were in uh, Berea, that when Paul had visited there in Acts 17. And between the definition of his name and the the character of his clan or his tribe that he ran with, we can see what kind of son Sopater was to Paul. Um, and it lists there's there's five things that I really want to pull out of this son. Uh, first off, he was the savior of his father, which means he would come and he would save his father in the midst of a situation his dad didn't need to be in. I kind of think in my mind, like Pastor Joshua, when um, somebody comes up to me in a confrontational way, you're really good at being my savior uh, to save me and pull me out of that situation. And I don't think every son or every daughter carries this characteristic or trait. Um, but I think that um, we all should. Um, I would punch somebody in the, in the face in a heartbeat for Pastor Harder, Bishop Pitts and wouldn't think twice about it. Like, right. you're not going right. to get up in their face. You're going to, you're going to, you, you ain't doing that with me in the room. You ain't doing that, you know, um, period. 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 Uh, and second, second thing that is listed about this young man is he was a defender of his father. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody in this room, everyone who I consider a son and daughter in our church, I say that they have this trait. Like I could see them like, taking off their hoops, okay, taking okay. off their shoes and rolling for their, for their mentor. Yeah. And they defend my honor. And, and I think that's an amazing trait that our sons and daughters in our church have. And something that I do with pastor Hart and Bishop Pitts as well. Like if one person starts to say one thing, I don't care if it's family friend or foe, I'm coming to their defense. Mm-hmm. Like you ain't going to sit there and bad mouth my mentor okay. in front of my face period, period. period. you know, You got, you got the, you caught the right one today. You know, you ain't doing that to me. And, uh, so that's the second thing. The third thing we know about the uh, Bereans. So if the Bereans possess these traits, possess these traits, it is safe to say that this young man possessed these traits as well. Um, he was of noble character. The word, uh, noble, if you look that word up, it means to possess morality. It means to possess class and diplomacy. It means to be generous and to be a high ranking individual. And so this young man knew how to carry himself in the room. He knew how to enter a room and he knew how to exit a room. He knew where to sit at the table when he was invited into a room of special guests because he was noble. He didn't just run to the front of the table. He knew where to sit and, and, and he, he knew how to handle greatness. He knew what it was like to handle people that were famous and people that weren't famous. Um, if, if, we as sons and daughters were ever given the opportunity to host, uh, let's say, like, you know, A. Patrick Mahomes or, or Travis Kelsey or what, what if, what if? Uh, I'm just th- throwing this out there, what if we had the opportunity to host a star or to have someone famous? Could we do that with nobility and class as young people and and treat them just like everyone else as far as, we're not asking them for autographs. We're not getting selfies with them. Can we treat this, the room uh, with a noble character? Yeah. And I think that's something that our sons and daughters in our church are very good at. Another thing about the Brians that that uh, this young man had to possess because he, he knew this culture is that he received what the apostles instructed. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the things Paul said about them is that the Brians were good at receiving what the apostles were instruction uh, instructed. So. I know what it's like as a mentor, and Pastor Hart, you can amen this. I know what it's like as a mentor to try to help somebody and then they pout about it. Um, to, to correct someone or adjust someone and then they manipulate with their emotions and, and they they change they, they shift on you. Um, when and all the while, you weren't trying to hurt them. You were trying to bring a betterment to the group. Like we can't have one person over here doing their own thing while the group is going one place. So, so this young man received the instruction from his apostle and, uh, accepted the guidance and instruction and correction, no matter if it was hurtful, good, or a blessing. Pastor Hart used to always tell me correction is not rejection. I'm not rejecting you. I'm trying to help you. Yeah. Gallardo, you ding-a-ling, snot-nosed brat on a Bible college. You could see that you're missing the mark. You're missing it. This you can't be having the cops called on you at Target as a youth pastor because you're playing tag. What's wrong with you? You know, uh, you know. At the at the time at the time, you know, as a as a young person, there was that thing in your heart that's like, man, I, I, I don't think I was wrong. You know, but through the test of time, you come to realize, man, he knew exactly what he was talking about. You know, and uh, so a a real son or daughter can receive instruction. The next thing about this young man as a son that we see is that uh, the Bereans were eager to study God's word. So he wasn't just trying to be a son to look the part, feel the part, be in the light, be in the limelight. Ooh, he must be close to the the pastor. No, he was hungry for the word of God. Like we are only going to be as powerful as our prayer life and as our word life as leaders and sons and daughters. Can I get a witness? All right. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, Son slash daughter number two. Um, So, so, so. So Potter was the son or daughter of salvation and defense. So I think everyone around this table is amazing at coming to my defense at, we got to get past all that environment at, uh, that's not good for him. Who's on duty today? You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think we're all good at that. And, and I think we're all good at all this other stuff, everyone here, but those listening around the, the world can also improve in these areas. Um, The second son is uh, Aristarchus, Aristarchus. And he is the son who was faithfully disciplined. His name actually means disciplined one. And he is uh, uh, marked by his faithfulness, by his or her faithfulness. So this son or daughter is a disciplined one who is faithful and he's marked by that faithfulness. So we, we don't want around here, we, we don't want you to just be faithful though, because faithfulness and fruitfulness are not the same thing. Right. We want you to be faithful, but we want you to be fruitful and we don't get fruitful until we're disciplined, that's,
1: yeah, that's so right? Great.
0: Cause you can be faithful and miss heaven. Yeah. You can be faithful at coming to church. It doesn't mean that you're right. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You can be faithful at serving while Monday through Saturday, yeah. when you're not here, you're, you're struggling, broke down, depressed, oppressed, not praying, not praising, not reading the word. And there's no victory in your life. We don't want you just to be faithful to the house of God. We want to find you disciplining yourself to produce produce some kind of a fruit as a son or daughter. Because really, you can't come to the house of God on Sunday and do what a son and daughter should do if you don't produce discipline throughout the week in your own spiritual prayer life. Because you're not going to be able to give anything.
1: Mm -hmm. How can
0: you give something you don't have? Mm -hmm. You go home and you get disciplined about your spiritual walk. So when you come around the house of God, you've got something in your spirit that you can give away. All right, son slash daughter number three, this is Secundus. And Pastor Janae, you did such a wonderful job pronouncing that name. She did. Um, And this one, his name literally means he who is glad to be number two. He who is glad to be number two. Uh, A lot of people in church are fighting to be number one. And this son and daughter, uh, is the son and daughter with no alterna- ulterior motives. I said alternative. Ulterior <laughs> motives. Um, because, you know, somebody who's number two in life, they, they walk a, a life of humility. Their, their hands are stretched out in servitude. They're not looking for a microphone. They're looking for a mop. Um, I was so proud of Pastor Josh on Sunday. I know I mentioned this at church, but he, uh, I came into the service before church started and he was up there mopping the floor. Nobody asked him to, nobody uh, encouraged him to, nobody said, Hey, do this. It was just in his heart to serve the house of God because he has no ulterior motives. There's no, there's no, nothing within him that says, Ooh, I'm going to do this. So my pastor can let me preach. No, he is glad to be number two mm-hmm. real sons and daughters have zero motives other than to support they're senior leader. They aren't looking to be number one. God already, has, God already has that one. They're okay with being number two. I remember when I was on staff with Pastor Hart, who those of you that are listening and watching, he's actually in the room today. Um, I used to think, man, if I if I was a senior pastor, I'd do things different. If I was a senior leader, I'd do things different. Now that I'm a senior leader, I look back and say, man, I wish I would have just been content hundred percent with being number two, because that was way easier than being number one. Being number one, you got to please, you you have this fight internally within you because this guy wants you to do that. This guy wants you to do that. This lady wants you to be prophetic. This guy wants you to be pathetic. This guy wants you to be powerful. Can't you just do two uh, uh, points in a poem and get us out of here? Can't we just wait on God's glory for six hours? You got all these different things coming at you and you just got to stay focused on what God has called you to be. We have to come to the point, everybody, where it's okay to be number two. I know I'm preaching the guy in the back, so I'm going to say it again. It, it is okay, you gotta come to the point where you're okay to be number two. Now, this young man was Thessalonican. Every church in the New Testament, the Corinthian church, the Ephesus church, the uh, Thessalonican church, Colossian church, they all had a certain culture about them. Every church has a culture. We have one too. So I went back and I started to study in the Thessalonican culture because this is the kind of church he came out of. He was from Thessalonica. And Acts 17 describes the culture that he was used to. Number one, the Thessalonican church was a church where they were filled with noble noble character. So again, it goes back to that, that idea of being a son and daughter who was full of, uh, 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 is it nobility? Is that a word? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Nobility. Uh, secondly, they were God fearing. So, so this young man didn't come to church with this handout. Like, what can you do for me? This young man come to church who had an extreme reverence for God. When he walked in the building, he knew that God was going to be there. He knew that he was there to serve God and he was okay with being number two. He, he was completely fine. He had no, uh, ul- ul- ulterior, motives. Um, Number three, they were very honoring. He knew how to honor his leader because that's the culture he learned from his pastor in Thessalonica. And a real son and a real daughter know how to honor their leader. It's not a thing that the leader needs it. It's a thing that you need to give it yeah. uh, as, as, uh, as a, as a person of God, because when you honor up, God will honor you. Yeah. When you take care of God's man, God will take care of you. Yeah. When you take care of God's man's house, God will take care of your house. Yeah. And in the old Testament, there, there was the first fruit giving and there was a the tithing giving. The tithing went to the church, but the first fruit went to the, the priest and it's 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 for what my wife and I do, what we do is because we honor our leaders. When God blesses us with a little extra, we always take a portion of that and we give it to our senior leaders, our mentors, who have their hands on us and speak life to us and encourage us uh, because there are priests in our life. There are leaders in our life. And we want to show them that honor because we know that if we clothe them with honor, God's going to take care of all of our stuff. So this young man, his culture was to honor God's men. Number four, I think this is kind of interesting. In Thessalonica, there was promise women in the church who are extremely important. This young man, this is so good this tells us then you can be a son or a daughter in the house of God, that women can be used in church, that women can be anointed to preach, that women can be anointed to teach, that women can be anointed to lead. Uh, when you come into Christ, there is no longer male, female, Jew, Gentile, Greek. We are all one in Christ. That's why we're using the word son loosely, because we want you to know we're talking about sons and daughters. The other thing about the Thessalonican church that this young man had in his culture was like Jason hid God's men from trouble or harm in Acts 17. uh, This type of son and daughter is glad to be a number two and loves to hide their leader from trouble or harm. I'm going to let you in on a little secret tonight. Our exec staff already knows this, but do you know it's rare when church people hide their leader from harm? Generally, we as senior leaders, and we're built for it. We got the shoulders for it. uh, We have the thick skin for it. Um, but generally, uh, people come to us with, with harm. They come to us with trouble. They come to us disrespectfully. I was, they come to us. Hey, by the way, I'm leaving the church. I'm not coming back. No honor, no respect. They just bounce on you and you have all this trouble that's turmoil in your mind, but you got to get all that out before you stand up in the pulpit. So you're not processing your own emotion about how people harmed you. You are now processing what God is saying, why all this other stuff has to wait off the side of the platform until you get done. And and so real sons and daughters are coming to the relationship to say, what can I do to make this better uh, by the time I leave it? When I'm with Pastor Hart or when I'm with Bishop Pitts, my mindset is God use me in such a way that when we exit this time we have together, that they feel more joy, they feel more blessed, they feel more, they feel, uh, they feel, they don't have any stress. I make them laugh. I try to encourage them. I bless them. I sow into them. Why? Because I'm okay with being a number two. It's all right for me. You say, well, Pastor, you're number one. No. I'm a number two. When I get around Pastor Hart, number two. When I get around Bishop Pitts, number two. When I get around other great men of God that I may not be that close to, I'm not number one. In my mind, I'm number two. And there's a blessing that God gives you from that. So this son or daughter is glad to be a number two and is full of nobility, honor, importance, and covering. Now, he is the opposite of Ham. In your Bible, Noah, he was in a boat for a hundred days
1: mm-hmm.
0: with his family, and he gets out, and the Bible said he plants a vineyard and gets drunk. Well, if I was in a boat with my family <laughs> for a hundred years, a hundred days, days it would feel like a hundred years, okay. <laughs> who knows what you would do too, so let's not point our finger at Noah because okay. some of you get on a boat with the, your family for a hundred days, okay. you, know, you know when you come out that boat you're going to need right. deliverance Can I get a witness. <laughs> Mm -hmm. she said that's quarantine praise the Lord so Noah gets drunk he lays naked in his tent and he has three boys Uh, the first boy's name is Ham and he goes in and he sees his father's nakedness and he comes out and if you read the Bible in the tone of the scripture he actually comes out mocking his father Mm -hmm. making fun of him and talking about him Noah he comes to his senses and uh The Bible said that he had heard Ham saw his nakedness, which tells us that somebody of loyalty brought it to him, which was another son. And that son came to him and said, Dad, Ham told everybody he was laying up in that bed naked. But I just want you to know that that me and Shem, or me and Jepeth, whichever one was talking, we walked in backwards and covered you so we didn't see your nakedness. But Ham exposed you. And the Bible said that, that, that he got up and he cursed Ham. Mm-hmm. And he said, You will be the lowest of all your brothers. A son and daughter who, who, who possesses alter, alternative, ulterior motives and harms their father, you will be the lowest in the kingdom. Of all your brothers and sisters. Because the principle isn't Noah's nakedness. The principle is Ham's dishonor. Mm. Ham's ulterior motive. He wanted to be seen as a number one, but we have to be content with being a number two. That right there will preach. So Jason covered God's men, Ham uncovered God's man. Jason was blessed, Ham was cursed, he went from being number two to being number zero. I'd rather be a number two than be a number zero. Yeah. Right. Okay. Number four. Uh, it's Guy see, that's the fourth son slash daughter spirit that we want to talk about. His name means the son who hosts encouragement and healing to his father. Now um, he was led to Jesus by Paul. He hosted Paul on numerous occasions. Um, and in Acts chapter 14, verse 19 through 20, Paul gets severely stoned, not like stoned high, you know, not like that. He was stoned like with rocks till he. they thought he was dead. So the disciples get around him. This was, this was in Lystra. The disciples get around him, and they start praying because they thought he was dead. Paul gets back up, beaten, bloodied, broken, face busted, probably big fat lip, black eyes. I mean, they were throwing rocks at him until he was almost dead gets back up and goes back into the city to preach. When he gets done there, he travels 60 miles to a town called Debris, and he goes there and meets the disciples. Now, this isn't in scripture I'm about to tell you, but you have to read into the story. Paul was a train wreck. Can you imagine preaching Jesus and getting beat so violently that people thought you were dead? When Paul goes to Debris to be with the disciples there, he was emotionally, he had to have been emotionally drained. Yeah. He had to be heartbroken. Mm-hmm. He had to be uh, uh, physically broken bones, probably, broken ribs, broken nose. I mean, I can just see his face all swollen and beat, beaten because he had been stoned so bad. When he gets there, he finds the brothers and sisters and debris where this, where this young man was from. So he had to see all this and they became the A and D ointment for Paul. Mm-hmm. They begin to minister to Paul. Yeah. They begin to heal Paul. They begin to encourage him, restore his spirit back to him. This son's name means he who heals and encourages mm-hmm. a, you know, that the trademark of any son and daughter is a son and daughter who heals mm-hmm. their, their mentor, a son and daughter who encourages their mentor. When Pastor Hart, I said it before, I'm going to say it again. When Pastor Hart and Bishop Pitts leave my presence, they're not going to leave hurting. They're not going to leave discouraged. They're going to leave feeling, man, I love being around Gallardo. He's so much fun to be around. That's my goal when I get with them because I want to be the son who heals and encourages. Pastor Hart, do you think I do a good job with that? You do an awesome job. So that, that's my goal. That's my goal. You know, part of, we gave Pastor Hart something really nice for Pastor Appreciation Month. To see his face and to see him get choked up, all that just blessed my heart because I knew that I was being the son of encouragement. Mm -hmm. All the hell that pastors go through that people never talk about because it's a never-ending list. Same devil, just different face. Um, If I can give them just a smile an encouragement, a boost in the arm, if I I can just give them some type of, man, I just feel better. I just got to be, I like to be around him. I, that tells me i 'm the son who heals and encourages because we know what it 's like to be around the other. some people are like we 're smiling on the inside but on on the outside, but on the inside you're on our ever living last nerve you 're disrespectful, you don't follow you don't listen, you don 't heed instruction. Why are you even here you know that 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 video that pastor that goes off on his congregation Pastor Hart and I we know we feel like that a lot sometimes, but we can't we can't process that you know so um be be the son who heals and encourages. Okay, then number five. Th- this is this is the guy right here. This is Timothy, son or daughter number five. Timothy, he who honors. That's the definition of his name, actually. The son who honors. And Timothy was respected, esteemed, and admired by the church in the book of Acts uh, before Paul circumcised him. That's where what we find uh, about Timothy, and. Um, I don't know what I wrote here. (laughs) Sons and daughters are very aware their ministry is a number two. I'm sorry. Okay. If if the people don't esteem, if they don't respect and admire their leader, there's no way that they're a son and daughter. Mm -hmm. A son and daughter's culture is to honor their leader. How, how How do we honor? We honor in tone. We honor in and, and I, there's been many times where I've said well, me and Pastor Art were just talking like, man, that was so awesome, bro, our dude. And I'm like, just those words at different times, and I I literally had to say, Pastor, I'm sorry for calling you bro, yeah, haven't I?
1: Yeah.
0: I? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you bro. I didn't mean to call you dude. I ain't got Not that he, he knows I'm not dishonoring, but I don't even want to. I don't even want the enemy to sit on any of that. Right. It's in tone. It's in my love toward him. It's in my my gift giving to him. It's in my. Uh, it's it's how I present him to people. It's how I present him in the room. It's how I it's how I carry his stuff. It's how I drive him around. It's how I uh, I I don't prefer myself over myself. I prefer him over myself. And and it's in all aspects. And it's in all types of language, communication, texting, calling. Um, if I have an issue, which I've never had an issue that I can remember where it was something he did. It was something I did. Is always usually what it turned back to. Um, <laughs> And, and so it's, it's that relationship. You just got to keep that relationship honorable, full of esteem and respect. To the so I, I wrote down three things about Timothy um, that I think is really good to, to see. Timothy was a true son. Everybody say true son. True son. For, first Timothy 1, 2. Paul said, my, son, my true son in the faith is Timothy. We must keep our hearts pure and tender toward leadership because you can become a fake son. Mm -hmm. If there is a true son, then there is a artificial son. Mm -hmm. If there is an authentic son and daughter, then there is the one who smiles at your face but stabs you in the back. So, like Timothy, who was honorable, we must be true to the calling of sonship. Here's another thing about Timothy. He knew how to flow with his father, And was serious about helping that flow to sustain. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you read this on your own time, verse 10 through 11, I want you to hear what Paul said about Timothy. Timothy, you know what I teach. Timothy, you know how I live. Timothy, you know my purpose in life. That's pretty deep. Timothy, you know my faith. Timothy, you know my patience what makes me crazy, anxious, stressful, and frustrated about ministry. You get it. Mm. Timothy, you know, my love Timothy, you know how much endurance I can take, how far I can go. He was communicating this to Timothy to say to all of us, you should understand your leader. You should know what makes them tick. You should know not to put them in that situation or environment, because that's going to stress them out, frustrate them, consume their mind, make them lose sleep. We're going to keep all this from them. Now, now, us as an exec staff, I've, I've had multiple people say, "How do I become an exec staff member?" You don't ask to become an exec staff member.
1: Right?
0: Okay. That's how. Right. Because these guys have been rolling with me at, for how long have they been here, honey? Ten years. Minimum.
1: The the one the
0: well well she been running with us since she's a baby though about ten years in a close knit family unit and everybody that's on our exec team and Minister Drew is on our exec team now he he just came on Um, and he's learning uh, us as we go but none of them ever want to put me in a situation that will hinder my faith my anointing my calling get me frustrated, get me stirred, get me ruffled because they know how my personality is. Mm-hmm. And so a real son and daughter is honorable and can read their father. They know, what, they know wh- what environment to put him. Here's the next one. This is the last one about Timothy. Timothy worked the ministry the way Paul would work it. Um, I can relate to this statement, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Romans sixteen twenty one. Paul said of Timothy, he's my fellow worker. He works alongside. When I was on staff at Eagle's Nest... With Pastor Hart, we we are we lead a little bit differently. We our approach to things are a little bit different. He's waist, he's very soft. Um, he, he can cry at the drop of a hat. It takes a lot for, to get me to cry. He can read a phone book and ten thousand people will get saved. I can I can sweat, pound the floors, fast, pray, scream, holler, and I'll be lucky if one comes to the altar. Uh, you know, we're just wired differently. There's there might tend to be some conflict there. But I always laid it before me when I was with Pastor Hart. You have to lead how pastor leads. That mm-hmm. he wouldn't do this this way. Mm-hmm. This ain't your church. Mm-hmm. This is not your ministry. Mm-hmm. You, you have to adapt yourself. Because anything outside that would be manipulative, manipulative and witchcraft. Yeah. In all honesty, it would be Jezebel manifestation. And uh, so, so Paul, Timothy said of Paul, or Paul said of Timothy, this is my fellow worker. He's going to work it like I work it. So, Timothy was the son who was honorable paid attention, and did it the way Paul did it. Number six, Tychicus. And I think you pronounced that one right too, Pastor Janae. Tychicus, which means fortunate one. I really did some digging on this to figure out what in the world the Holy Ghost was trying to say to me. Uh, Tychicus is found in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 21 and 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 verse 12. He was dear to Paul, a faithful servant. He spread things Paul's way and was sent uh, to Ephesus. So here's what I got out of all that. He understood, he was a fortunate one, that's what his name uh, means, uh, Tychicus, he understood and recognized the favor that was on his life to be able to run with Paul. Now for me, I consider it an honor that Pastor Hart came down just to hang out a couple days. Um, That's a favor thing for me, like he's just smiling on us, God is smiling on us to be able to let us be with such an incredible man of God. Um... Whenever we get, our, you know, we, God allows us to be around a bunch of people. And this coming year, there's a lot of generals coming through our church. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, it's, we have to understand and recognize the favor that is on our life to be able to run and do what God has allowed us to run and do and who we get to run with. So this young man understood the favor he had to be mentored by who he was mentored by. And he considered it favorable. And that he was fortunate. Another thing about this young man is he doesn't have dad's time. Oh, he doesn't take dad's time for granted. Mm-hmm. So like as pastor arts here, I ask him questions all the time about church ministry. We talk church related stuff, life stuff, ask him how he's doing. What can I pray for you for? I'm not taking this time for granted. It's not just a time to hang out and do nothing is there's a purpose to it, you know? So don't ever take the time granted that God gives you with your mentor. Another one is stay close to your dad. He stayed close to him. He pursued him. A lot of spiritual sons are waiting for the fathers to just pursue them. But if you read through Elijah and Elisha, uh, the son pursued the father. Hey, drop all your stuff. If you want to come, come and go with me. Go tell your mama, bye, whatever, and then come meet with me. He pursued his mentor. Um, How I pursue my mentors, this is really good for those of you that are desiring to be spiritual sons and daughters in this house, bring questions. Uh, we've got so many, I've got so many things on my mind. The last thing I need to do is sit down and come up with an hour of discipleship curriculum material for one person. Bring questions. That's how I like to flow. Bring ideas to the table. Hey, what do you think about this pastor? What do you think of, uh, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be theological questions because sometimes people be bringing me theological questions. I'm like, get a concordance, a Google, look it up. Go study the Bible, show yourself approved. What does the Bible mean? What does the Bible say in Acts chapter 5, 4? Go get a Bible and turn over to Acts chapter 5, 4. Now, if you're you're stumped on a question with the Bible, you know, what does the Bible mean here, blah, 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 and you're a son or daughter, that's totally different. Uh, Of course I'm going to help you with that. Um, But uh, bring questions. Okay, here's another one. Uh, He serves faithfully and doesn't have to be chased down. Um, I have no time or tolerance for left ones. Lost ones are not left ones. Left ones are not lost ones. If people leave, I'm not chasing you. If people don't want to connect, I'm not coming for you. There's people around this table right now. They've never left. They've never never been an issue. They've never been a problem. They've never left me. They've never deserted me, Demas. They never deserted me, Mark. Uh, we, we, we're coming for people that are, are there, that are present, and that are... Not having to be chased down. Okay, here's another one. Um, he spread his father's culture. I think this is important to understand uh, about this young man: that he he spread his father's culture. He didn't get in the church and set up his own faction and spread his own influence and culture. No, he communicated what his father communicated. He spoke with his father. I'm I a youth pastor uh, with Pastor Hart. I would try. I was very. Strategic, I would try to find quotes that Pastor Hart would say. I did it last night, I don't know if you heard me. Pastor Hart used to always say, What did I say? Which one did I use last night?
1: Uh If yeah,
0: he said he said if this church ceases to exist, would anybody even notice? Why? Because I was I was preaching some of his culture. He was in the room. I wanted to honor him. That that's what sons do. Um, sons follow where their fathers send them. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't leave Pastor Hart. And go plant a church a mile down the road.
1: Yeah.
0: I didn't plant a church 10 miles down the road. Mm-hmm. If God really called you to plant a church, you're not going to harm the mother church that you were working for. Uh, That's called a church split. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. A, a real church plant and a real son goes far enough away that he doesn't hurt their mentor. Yeah. And so this young man was sent. Okay, here's the last one. Daughter, number, daughter son, number seven. <clears throat> and... uh Trophimus is his name. And his name means one who nourishes. The word to nourish means, this, is, this right here blew my mind, to stop or add a thought in one's mind for the individual's health. That's what nourishing means. That's one of the definitions. It means to be able to stop somebody from thinking something or to get somebody to think something for the betterment of their health. A real spiritual son or daughter will put the right thoughts in their mentor's head. Mm -hmm. Will put the wrong thoughts, argue them out of their mentor's head, so their mentor can be healthy mentally. This son and daughter helps to guard the words that are spoken around their mentor, that are decreed about their mentor. When one doesn't fight to keep the emotions and mental stability of their father at peace, they're not a spiritual son. The last thing every man of God needs is right before church, you to, you to throw up your whatever on them. Uh, we need to have a clear head so when we step behind the pulpit, it's coming from a place of integrity with the Holy Ghost and a pure place with no one else's words coming out of them. Real sons and daughters, now this is, this is encouraging for everybody to know. I believe with all my heart a real son and daughter because they're, they're nourishing. A real son and daughter understands that their mentor doesn't always need spiritual things. We need to have fun with our sons and daughters. That needs to be nourished. We need to have excitement with our sons and daughters. Uh, we, that, that is spiritual. I mean, being joyful and having a good time and, and doing things that our mind can rest, that, that's all stuff that's spiritual. And I, I, I know I said it earlier, it is my opportunity and goal that every time I get around Pastor Hart or, who, or whoever ever mentor that he gets around me uh, that I'm able to get around, <clears throat> I want to bless them in such a way that they are full of joy. Last night after church, Pastor Hart, we didn't talk any Bible. I didn't think we mentioned Scripture. We probably won't today. What's your revelation on someone so we don't talk like that? Because my goal is to make them smile, have a good time, and there's got to come a point in a son and daughter's spiritual mindset where they understand my dad doesn't always need things spiritual. Yeah. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about, hey, let's watch the football game. Let's not talk anything about church. I'm consumed with church. Can we just for a minute not talk about church? You know, and uh, so that son knows how to nourish it. Now, I said all that to say this. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 5, these seven sons went on ahead of Paul to a town called Troas, or Troas is what it's called, Troas. And this definition of this word, the sons and daughters went to Troas, the place of penetration and breakthrough. Okay, this is, this is so good. Paul was an apostle, we know that. Paul was an, the ambassador of God, we know that. Paul was a church father, we know that. We know he, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Yet, without these seven sons... He could not penetrate and break through. Mm. Hello, somebody. Mm. Paul needed these seven support systems in his life, all these number twos, to be able to break through in a region. No sons, no support. No support, no apostolic saturation. Sons and daughters are a necessity in the house of God.
1: Yeah.
0: Sons and daughters are really part of the weight behind the senior leader. I feel every, every son and daughter in our church, I feel their support, man. I, and I recognize who they are in my heart. I see who they are. I, I sense who they are. And I, I feel their, their support system of what God is wanting to do in us. So if you're listening today or you're watching... Some of you have been rebellious in your church. You need to go repent. You need to ask forgiveness from leadership. Um, because we need you. The kingdom needs you. We, we can't do what we need to do without you. We need sons and daughters. So as we conclude this podcast, I really encourage you. Let God speak this in your life. In the name of Jesus. And let it bring ministry to you. In the name of God's Christ. Amen. Amen.